Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 29 of the Nassiman Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, James Nichols, and as always, I'm good. I'm here with my good buddy, John Dello. What's up, John? I'm doing all right. Uh, doing a little, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's been tough without some honors hockey. Uh, yeah. We, we were blessed with a really long playoff run for the first time in our lifetime, as long as, that we can remember anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't think 93 really counts. Um, I was one. Yeah, I was three. It doesn't. It just doesn't count. Um, so happy to 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 talk about the Islander season and what's ahead. Yeah, for the first time in a long time, I'm not on the edge of my seat for the entirety of my day, no matter what's going on, whether I'm at work or I'm you know recording here with you, writing an article. Uh, it just seemed like I was on the edge of my seat at all times, and if that's not fun, then I don't know what is. But before we get into it, I just want to. Uh, get a quick ad in from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company, makers of the Barn Rocker, the official beer of the New York Islanders. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to its nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. Their products are thoroughly New York at heart, blending new and old world techniques with creativity and style. Head over to OysterBayBrewing.com to see the full lineup of amazing beers and hard seltzers and pick up some merch to represent one of Long Island's best breweries. You can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Oyster Bay Brewing with no G, and visit their brewery at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week. So, before we get into everything that happened this season, let's get into what happened last series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And honestly, in my opinion... Major step forward for this team. You know, they they brought their game to possibly the best team in the league. And they made it hard for them. You know, they did not make it an, an easy series against us. And, and it only went six games. It didn't go a full seven. But aside from that first game, they were in every single one. Yeah, that I think that first game put a bad taste in our mouth, uh, for sure. And it was, um, you know, it just made us think that the Lightning were capable of doing that every single game. You know, they, there was Varlamov played out of his mind most of the time. Yeah. Um, the Islanders on the other side of the ice, you really could, and we'll get into this in a little bit. What some options are up front. Um, in the offseason and how the team might look different in the future, but um, really could have used just, a, you know, burying a couple more chances. And, and it's not to say that Bavillier and Barzal and Nelson didn't have an amazing playoff. They, right. uh, just even in this series, they, they, they all played really well. They all had their chances. They all, um, they all potted them when, when they needed to or, um, you know, at least in in some cases so um it was a good series i, I don't mind going down four two this reminds me a lot of and i think we said this last week this remind this series and the way that it played out reminds me a lot of the big step the team took against the penguins in 2013 going down i believe it was four two as well um they gave that team a run for their money and they had no business doing that yeah i mean you know the way I see it, and, and you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's weird, you know, what, what you see on the internet, but, you know, again, it's the internet. A lot of people had been saying to me this past week, you know, this was a magical run. Uh, they're, they're not quite in win now mode. And I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. They're, they're just coming off of an Easter Conference final appearance. I mean, that's not anything to, to write off, you know? Yes, it was a, a a great run magical. I don't know if it was magical. The team ex- executed. They, they did what they know how to do. So, you know, I feel like magical is implying that they shouldn't have been there, but you know, think about it last year, they got to the second round. They learned this year. They got to the third round, you know, and, and if you really, really think about it, 
They got to the fourth round because there was a qualifying round. Yeah. Winning so, three series is no joke. It, no it, even joke. if it was a little, even if the first one was a little shorter. Exactly. So, you know, a magical run uh, in terms of do, should they have been there? No. A magical run in this is the best thing I've seen since 1993. Yeah. But, you know, like I said before, they learned from last year. They beat the Penguins and then they got swept. Now they came back with almost the same lineup. They said, okay, we're hungrier. We want more. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think the only thing, and, and maybe where some people are, are coming from with their comments is, and, I, and I've been asking this to myself, and I, I frankly don't know, um, is this repeatable? And I don't have a good answer for that because if you go with how they were playing going into the, the pause, I don't know that they even they may have just made the playoffs. And if you play Tampa in that first round, I don't know if they make it out. I mean, they lost three, four rounds in. I don't know that they make it out of that first round if they're playing, uh, you know, a Tampa or a Boston in the first round um, in, in a regular playoff series. Or, you know, they may have not made the playoffs at all. Now, this is a very streaky team, as if you can imagine, nearly a year ago started a 17-game point streak. Um, and then, But even the season before, you saw them rattle off a lot of wins, and then they would win one and lose two. And, you know, they, they just, they couldn't, they could never get on a, um, a decent streak. You know, a 100-point team is still really good, so nothing to take away from um last season um but this year after the run you know that really buoyed them for the rest of the year the rest of the the 1920 season so that's where i come in and say is it repeatable and that question may not be relevant for very long um and again you know i'll let you get some more thoughts in on this season and and the series um but the team's not going to look the same moving yeah. forward. So thinking, comparing the last two years to next season's team, it may be really hard to do that. You know, they add some pieces, but you, it's going to be harder and harder to draw a line between the first two years and maybe the next two years. So what I think you have to say to yourself is, yes, the team might look different, um, but a lot of that core is going to still be there. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll get there. The difference between the Lightning and the Islanders in this series was obviously, you know, the elite scorers. Braden Point, you saw it in game one, the very first goal, dances into the offensive zone, boom, one nothing real quick. Uh, they didn't even have Steven Stamkos this series, but they had it, you know, they still have Nikita Kucherov, who, uh, oh yeah, won the heart last year. They have... Victor Hedman, who is leading the, I think the league in goals in the playoffs as a defenseman, you know, so do the Islanders have that pedigree in their lineup right now? No, they, they don't. But if you look at the lightning and, and their history, you can say that maybe the Islanders are following those footsteps, you know, they, they need a lot more raw skill. Sure, that, yeah. That the Lightning have, and they've done an amazing job from their farm system all the way up. There's a there were a lot of crunch alumni, or there are rather a lot of crunch alumni on that Tampa roster right now. Yeah, and that's that speaks volumes to just years and years of of good development and and the the right guys at the right time. I think, um, and I, I was talking to somebody earlier today about this. I think what hurt the Islanders in this series, specifically guys like De, um, Devon Taves, who didn't have a particularly good series, and in my opinion, they the Islanders were used to being the quicker team. I think Washington and, and Philadelphia were a little bit older. Um, the, the star guys were a little bit older anyway. I think uh, you know that Islanders that tweet about the Islanders being old, the oldest team in the bubble, blah blah blah. But I think their top players on these other teams were a little bit older. And on the Islanders, the guys that needed to score the goals and that were really running um, those first two rounds for the Islanders were they're much younger. Um, and on, on the on the back end, the Islanders are are really young and or they have a lot good speed and mobility. And guys like Devon Taves against the Lightning suffered because he was used to having a step on these guys 
and he just didn't. And yeah. you know, when when Tampa would dump the puck in, he would he just had a tough time. Like you, you, when you when you're used to having maybe a second to turn yourself around and turn around and get the puck, and just to really not have any time at all, and these guys are just blowing by you. Um, it's it's tough. You get tired very quickly, even with seven D. You get you get tired more quickly. You get guys like Point and Gord running around. Um, you're gonna have a tough series, and you know I always learn the hard way. You, you gotta retool, and um, they're gonna watch a lot of tape, I'm sure, because if they expect to be back and play teams like this, it's not gonna get any easier year after year. So they have some stuff to learn. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've said it before, and we'll say it again. And you know, like like I was saying earlier. I, I kind of think that the the Islanders are sort of following in that same footstep that the the Lightning were, you know, walking in because, you know, two years ago they lost in the playoffs and they were, you know, a heavy favorite. Uh, the last year they lost in the first round, they were a heavy favorite. And not to say that the Islanders are a heavy favorite, but they're learning. You know, they're getting to the playoffs. They're they're starting to understand what it takes to win at that compete level, you know, in, in that type of a series. And, you know, this, this was a hard fought series. Like we said earlier, they're going to learn from this series and say to themselves, what did we need to do to win? We didn't do X, Y, and Z. We got to bring that, you know, next year when we get there and, and hopefully meet them again. And this time we're going to be prepared because we're going to know what to do. And of course, like you said, you know, and we'll talk about this later, the Islanders are going to retool. The lineup is going to look a little bit different, but much of, you know, the core is still going to be there. So I personally, and I, and I don't know if you agree, I think you do, um, but I, I thought that this was a really good series for the Islanders, uh, a superb learning experience for the whole team, including the guys who didn't even draw in like, Ilya Sorokin, who got some serious, uh, you know, experience with the team and, and the environment. Um, but, you know, also guys like Anthony Bavillier and um, Matt Barzell, Ryan Pulak, Devin Taze, all key pieces moving forward. Everyone from top to bottom got some serious, serious experience that is much needed to know how to win next time. Yeah, and I think when you think back over the last four years, other than the 17-18 season, if I'm not mistaken, they've won a playoff series the last three out of four. They've made the playoffs the last three out of four seasons and won a playoff series, at least one. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and if you go back, you know, they they played the they played the Capitals really well in 2015. So that's five years of making it to the playoffs and, you know, nearly making it to the second round. They laid that huge egg in game seven in 2015. Right. Um, and, you know, again, you can go back even a couple of years before that to that Penguin series and um, that trajectory with, you know, a handful of the guys. But they gain experience over all these years. They, they do. They kind of build up. And I think if they can continually make it to the second or the third round and and learn. And be perennial contenders. I, I think that's where um, eventually you just take that step. You make that that midseason trade, and or you bring somebody in in an offseason. They just make, they bring your team to that next level. And the Islanders are going to be looking for that gear. That's yeah. going to be the difference. It's it's a couple of guys, and I've and I've seen people saying, ah, you know, they're more than a couple of guys away. This and that. Um, I don't. I don't know if I would necessarily believe that. I, I, I think it's it. a lot less, and I think it's a. It's a matter of the right guys. I mean, look at yeah. Broussard in, in these playoffs. You know, for at least for one series, anyway. Um, he he was a big part of that. I don't Huge. want to rely on the next man up mentality forever. That it's not always going to be sustainable. Right. You're not just going to have a bunch of third line guys just kind of hanging in the wings waiting right. to get their chance you're not always going to you know and they're expensive especially the ones they have now yeah. you don't always want to have a Broussard and a Komarov and a Johnston and a, you know to be cycling on that third line you want to have at least two guys that are there all the time if not all that you know like most yep. of the team they were pretty much solid in there so solidifying that third line and um, which may come from moving someone down the lineup from getting a first line player 
that, and we, and we, I know I've said that before too. Getting somebody on that first line bumps somebody down. Yep. I, Pajot and Bailey, I don't, I don't hate that as a third line. You got to just find somebody, and they might have that in a Wallstrom or a, a Bellows or someone like that. I th- or yep. you, you try to go find somebody that's just trying to look for a little bridge deal at, at you know, out of the end of this, and all of a sudden it's a very different lineup. Yeah. Um, I guess we've got kind of gotten into the off season. Uh, well, well, I, it just it, it just makes sense because with those moves, you know that's that's where you start to say to yourself, okay, on paper, this is a lineup that you could see going into a deep postseason run. So it it all makes sense. You know, we'll we'll talk about specifics when we get to the off season, but let's talk about the regular season now. Um, you know, they they end up in fifteenth place. One, uh, one or two points behind the New York Rangers, who were knocked out in the first round. Um, neither team was going to make the playoffs had the pandemic not happened. The Islanders went into a bit of a downward spiral after the 17-game point streak. I mean, they played really well, and then they played super mediocre the rest of the way. Um, they acquired, stayed afloat. It, it, they, right, exactly. They stayed afloat. They acquired some guys to help out... Uh, you know what was going on with with maybe missing some pieces due to injury, um, but that was short lived due to the pandemic, and then, you know, then the playoffs happened. So, it was a tough year, um, regular season wise. You know, you, like I said earlier, you had the injuries, you lost some key pieces, i.e., uh, Adam Pellick and Casey Zizekas. Um I don't think the regular season really reflects what this team is right now. I could largely agree with that. And as you were saying in the injuries, it reminded me because it was nine months ago that, you know, January was a tough, um, tough go for this team. Absolutely. They started, they started losing when you lose a guy like Pellick and then Sezikis and then Boychuk. Yeah. I mean, y- you wind up having a very different team and you're, you're, you're line juggling. So, you're probably right that those last maybe two and a half months of the season that we really saw them struggle um, probably wasn't really indicative of, of what this team could do. And then they were healthy going into the playoffs um, when we came back around in the end of end of July. And we saw a healthy team, you know, only lose four games through three, three rounds. That's that's really good. I mean, they only lost six games. In, oh, but. Or eight games in the whole thing, but um, I think that's a big deal. I think that's something that we should, um, you know, laud the honors for. It, it was it was great, right? Yeah. So you know, when you look at the numbers, the Islanders, you know, through the regular season were one of the best at keeping the puck out of the net at two point seven nine, but putting the puck in the net, they were one of the worst at two point seven eight. You know, that was that was the sixth worst in the league, seventh worst in the league. So, um. This offseason, they're going to have some things to figure out. Obviously, this is something that we've been talking about for such a long time. Uh, but it, it it started already. You know, Lou went out and he addressed that third line center position. And let's talk about draft picks for a minute. I could give a, a damn about those draft picks. Uh, send them away. It's a it's a 24th overall, something like that. Something along those lines. See ya. Don't need it. 28th overall. That is a player who's not going to make an impact for another three, four years. Uh, the second rounder, same same thing. They're not going to make an impact for a while. Um, that third rounder is next year's. Um, and you'll hear me say later, I'm, I'm ready to deal more picks. We have more work to do because we're ready to win right now. Um, and the core of this team is young enough to still be able to acquire you know, draft picks later on and draft later. Right now, I'm okay with selling picks, but... You know, when you look at the numbers, the the goals for uh, for this team are rather low. So, Lou started with Peugeot. I don't really know what's going to happen with Green. I think those were brilliant trades, though. At the at the time, um, people were upset with how much they gave up. Hindsight, I for, well before I go to my hindsight statement. At the time, I said this is what they need. This is what we've been begging for. Now, hindsight, everybody's like, oh, Peugeot, Green, they're so great. And I'm like, well, this is what I've been saying. Great moves, necessary moves, 
we didn't know that we needed we weren't going to need green until the pandemic happened and and pellet got healthy but we needed green at the time fast forward pellet got healthy and the pandemic happened and the playoffs eventually happened later but we still needed green johnny boychuk did not play a majority of the 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 playoffs he replaced johnny boychuk who was mediocre at at the beginning of of the playoffs so brilliant moves I'm very happy to see that he wasn't scared to go to the dead, the deadline and quote unquote stand pat because th- th- this this team was ready to take that next step and I think they did that. Move yeah, moving forward I I this team is going to look different for the first time my opinion is this team will look very different going into a season for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Uh, totally. I think since the the Nelson Oposo era ended and there was, you know, the Andrew Lads came in and these different players. Um, it's going to be the first time in, in a long time that that we can re- remember that this team looks very different moving forward. And I think one of the one of the big problems that I have, you know, signing somebody or bringing somebody in, um, you know, re-signing players, whatever the case is, however you make up this roster to go into the next season, whenever that's going to start December or late December or in January is that the expansion draft is going to happen after next season. So you bring guys on, it's going to be already tough for Lou to keep who he wants to keep without exposing different players. And that's what's scary yeah. to me, is you kind of, you know, and then not only that, you got Bovillier that's an RFA after next season. Right. Um, and the cap's not going up. Unless all of a sudden, you know, they renegotiate and player, you know, fans are in the stands come January, which... Geez, fat chance, but we can we can be hopeful. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the problem. You know, uh, you got you have guys on there for for a little while longer. I don't I don't know how you move Lad. I don't know that they even want to move Komarov. To me, you, they got to go. Um, I don't know how you bring back an Andy Green and take up even a million dollars for one year. I don't know how you bring back a guy like Matt Martin. Even if you're going to pay Barzal up front and give him his contract, I don't know how you do it. But even in the short term, I don't know how you give him a two or three year deal as a bridge deal to then go back and have to have this argument. And you don't know how, what if the cap only goes up to two mil after the, after three years yeah. <laughs> of, of flat cap, two or three years of flat cap. Um, Kuhnockle, see you later. Really sorry. Broussard, great playoffs. Thanks. You, you know, uh, thanks for your services. Uh, Matt Martin's going to hurt. I don't know how they make the decision. You're already paying Ross Johnson going in the next year. Right, well, you're gonna pay two. You're gonna take two million dollars of your cap space for for these guys. That's not what this team needs. I mean, they were really good, but Johnson shows he can he can do it. Right, he's a young he's a younger version of 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 Matt Martin, um, only by five years. But um, I'll take twenty six year old, twenty seven year old Matt Martin all over again. He was amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, from a cap perspective, I I just don't understand how how it happened. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things to come in the off season. Um, you know, I guess I guess we'll talk about it now. Uh, first of all, in order to make cap space, guys are going to have to be traded. Um, buyouts aren't going to really work too well at at, at this point. I mean, Lou Lamarello contracts pretty much do buy out pretty well, but I don't see that happening. Um, you know, <sighs> what I think happens is is one of Letty or Boychuk will be moved. Um, I'm more of the inclination that it's going to be Boychuk, and and I would ha- and I hate it. I hate it because I love him, but at six million dollars a year, you have to do it. Um, I don't really know, you know, what we get back for Boychuk. My thoughts are a fifth round pick, maybe could be a sixth, but in order to just get rid of that cap space. I think that that's you know what's gonna what it's gonna take. Uh, a Komarov is gonna have to be on the move uh, in order to free up that three million dollars. Um, I think a big. I think if you got um, Boychuk six million, I don't know if there's a Western Conference team that just needs needs a veteran presence, a team like the Oilers, who his is really hometown. Thin. That's exactly what I was thinking. He's they're, they're thin on D. I think another overlooked one, and this one will break my heart too, but. Thomas Hickey at two and a half. You wind up 
you know, between the two of them, that's eight and a half million dollars that you free up. He's got a lot of life in him. I mean, he had injuries this year, yeah. but he was more than serviceable. Yeah. With the Islanders over the course of his career since getting here. God, it feels like forever ago. Um, former first round pick of the LA Kings. I, I think um I think he could get I don't know, I mean maybe a maybe a fourth round pick. And I I don't know that either of those things are necessarily important that they get anything back. Um, I think the big thing is that they have eight and a half million dollars all of a sudden. And you know, and then going into the next few years, you also free up that space too, unless they sign, you know, some more players. Um, but if they're more serviceable than two of those guys, you know, you take out Boychuk and Hickey and, and Green, then you have Taves, Pulak, Dobson, Mayfield, Pellick, Letty. Um, I don't know how you get uh, Letty's expensive, but I don't know. He's he's good. He skates the puck. He plays that that the way the Islanders need him to play. Um, other maybe Taves is a little bit quicker than him. I think he would be a great teacher for Dobson, who is an offensive defenseman. I think he'd be Letty would be great to learn from, sure, and continue to learn from. Um, so being there as a as kind of a leader on that team, I think is important. Um, I didn't see him do anything egregious at any point. You know, we saw a lot of guys make a bunch of mistakes um, in the defensive zone in front of the net in the last two series. Letty really wasn't that guy. I didn't I didn't see a ton of giant mistakes by him. Um, no, I agree. So I, I don't know how you get I don't know how you get rid of them. Um and then also only be able to protect three. Right. So he, keep him if only to get him exposed, and he's got a year left. Okay, right. great. He was gonna walk the year after that anyway. But going into the next year, you want to keep this team as as, mo- as intact as possible and only add. Hickey wasn't playing. Boychuk, they saw that they can play without him. Um Dobson is gonna have to step up in, in a big, big way. Um, maybe you do have to bring back Andy Green in that case. I don't, I don't know. That's just a lot of defensemen, um, <laughs> on the team and it's another contract yeah. on the, and, and that's where you get, you just, you're getting into a pure numbers game with a lot of these guys. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of, if, if Andy Green can come back in a league min next season, oh, yeah. um, definitely see you later, Matt Martin. Well, I don't see how thing. I don't so, see how you make it work. What's who who's more who's more important? You right. know, Johnson. There's at least a replacement in Johnson. Yeah, and you know what the thing is too. I think that people also have to remember that Lou Lamorello is not afraid to make a business decision. He doesn't get, you know, too emotionally tied up in in what he needs to do. Um, and I and I think everybody just gets it. Like it's a business, and he's you know it's his job, and he has to if he's got to move on from someone who's a valuable asset to the team or, or, or beloved by the fans, then, you know, he's going to do it. You know, if he thinks he's that valuable to the team that, you know, they're not going to be able to, to succeed without him, then he's going to do what he can to keep him. That's why he pays guys like Leo Komarov $3 million. And you see the impact that a guy like Leo Komarov makes in a game, but now the needs have shifted. So it's going to be tough and you might see a guy like Matt Martin not come back. But if you do see a guy like Matt Martin come back, I could see that happening at a league minimum, like you said, for Andy Green as well. Matt Martin loves being an Islander. So if but it's a roster spot and it's again, you right. can't you can't sit there and go, oh, OK, we're going to trade boy Chuck and Hickey, save eight and a half million dollars, immediately swipe two million dollars off the table. And right. Th- and then you still have again. So you go from you have you have a, Almost nine million dollars in cap space, which isn't nothing. But if you're gonna right. add eight million, you better make sure you're what you're gonna put back in that is is worth it. Right. So the, well, the thing is now the conversation now shifts to we'll we'll talk about some trade targets and UFA options and stuff in a little bit. But the the money freed up really your your attention turns to Barzell, Taze, and Polak. What are they gonna do with these three RFAs? I'm of the opinion that Barzell gets a bridge deal. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to get Mitch Marner money. And I'm like, pump the brakes. Mitch Marner got that money after a 96-point season. He's yeah, not- but is what's it what's it worth to the Islanders to have Barzell? I think it's a lot like Mitch Marner on the Leafs. That's it's true. The point, you can't compare the points. They just play different games. The Leafs sure. literally play, they don't play defense. Well, and, right, and, and and the Islanders are more responsible on both ends, and I don't know. He's clear, clearly capable. He scored eighty-two points. He oh, had yeah. a point per game his first year. Eighty-five. Calder. So I think that's 
you know, when playing a different style, yeah, you let him go. Sure. Uh, I don't. I don't know how you. I don't know how you can compare. Here's the thing. I think that you know, Lou and and Barry have had good conversations with with Barzell and said, listen, you know, you're you're the center of our team. You're the core. We're building around you. Um, and I think Barzell, you know, it hasn't been publicly stated, and, and he's never said anything about it. But I don't think that Barzell loved when Tavares left. And I think that that weighs in the back of his mind. And I think he'll be willing to take a little bit of a discount in order to understand that they need to build around me. So you could see a bridge deal at three years to keep his RFA status in a couple of years for six and a half, seven million dollars to keep him, you know, at a, at a decent contract where they can make other moves. That's a very Tavares deal. That's a, that's exactly. a lot like is it was it was it five by five, five by five. Half? Or five and a half, maybe something, six. Yeah, something like that, which was super free, uh, team friendly. Probably one of the yeah. better contracts in the league. I'll tell you what, though. The look on Barzal's face, I believe it was Boychuk that came up to him yep. after, um, after the, the Lightning scored the goal. Yep. Was devastating. Yep. It was really hard to look at that. And, uh, and I think what's important, if you remember the look, the looks rather that Tavares would have at the end of a season or the end of a series or something like that. It looked more disappointed. This looked angry. This looked, I'm going to, I can't wait to to get going again. Yeah. This was, and it know, was a, sad. He looked disappointed to some degree, but it wasn't like, Oh God, I, you know, I, I can't believe we just blew it. Like we just didn't even play well or, right. you know, I tried, I did everything I could. This was, you know, like I laid it out there, and I can't wait to come back. I right. see this team is so tight. There's no way he doesn't want to be an Islander. I don't was, think people saying he might sign an offer sheet. No, nope. man, I I know we keep it pretty clean on this podcast, but that is bullshit. That, I it is. don't believe for one second. Somebody told me Buffalo today. Does that. Buffalo. I, I said, honestly, first of all, you you have to take into consideration one: does he even want to sign uh, an offer sheet? Two. You have to take into consideration, okay, they could throw all the money in the world at him, but location matters. Who wants to move to Buffalo? Three, he just came from a team, or he's coming from a team who is so organizationally uh, uh, superior, going to Buffalo where it's a dumpster fire, he's going to laugh. He, no, If Buffalo slides him an offer sheet, he, it would need to be $100 million a year. Unless it's Colorado or something. Right. There's no, there's no way, and that's really exactly. one of the only teams that can afford it. And with a flat cap, no one can afford it except for the senators who have thirty million dollars in cap space. It's not going to happen. They also have like no one on their roster. But exactly. again, it's you're not going to go and and he's been on this team for three years and has only really seen success. Yeah, exactly. He's he's bought in. He's he he loves being an Islander. He wants to win with this organization. He can clearly see the progression moving forward. UBS Arena. Sorokin's here. People, free agents are going to, and, and Ledecky had a conference about this today uh, with his season ticket holders on a Zoom call. This is now a landing spot for free agents to, to want to come. With the new arena, there is so much moving forward that is only positive. He's seen a change in ownership. He's seen the difference between night and day with the snow regime versus the Lamorello regime. And he's got to be foaming out the mouth with what's what's coming and he has to know in the back of his mind if i clean them out of out of house and home we're not going to win we're not going to succeed so with that being said i'm going to say i think barzell goes three by six maybe three by seven i think taze goes four by three maybe four by four and i say pulak goes five by five it's funny. I was just looking at their number, at the the numbers for each of those uh, Pulak and Taves. I couldn't agree more. That's uh, that seems pretty spot on to me. Um, I think that'd be a little high for Taves. It'd Could be. be three three by three by four or five if he gets. He just wants a little bit of um, length in in the contract, which I don't think would be bad. There, you know, both of them have stayed really really healthy. Um, not a ton of you know Pulaks out there a lot. Taves is out there a lot, but I don't. I don't. Wouldn't say. Hard miles, 
I, I think they yeah. both kind of play. They're not playing an extra like super heavy game. They're not throwing their body around. They're both kind of offensively minded. As long as they stay healthy, I don't I don't mind. Um, you know, between seven and nine million between the two of them. Yeah, that that's okay. But you need you need to ship out Boychuk and yeah. and Hickey to make it work for two of them, right? That's eight and a half right. million. That's right, kind of in that ballpark. And then you get the rest of it. Um, for Barzal, maybe hopefully he could take six, but then that that's all the space, right? And that's now, a me, problem. Let me throw one or two scenarios at you here now. So let's say Taze instead, right? Instead of signing Taze that deal, it might be intriguing to a team like Winnipeg that he is an RFA and they have control of his destiny and what they can sign him to. Trade him to Winnipeg for a guy you know, in a package, and I don't know what that package looks like right now, but you know, a couple of big names on the on the waiver, not the waiver. I'm sorry, the the uh, the the trade target list. You know, TSM put it out in Winnipeg. You have Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers. Think about Patrick Laine for a second. Who did Barry Trotz coach? Who was a sniper who was lousy in his own end? Oh yeah, Bar- uh, Barry Trotz coached Alex Ovechkin. Right. So maybe a 22 year old sniper who has 44 goals in a season under his belt, 138 in four seasons, is intriguing to a guy like Lou Lamorello for a first line sniper. I, I don't think. I mean, you can probably name a lot of guys that. Yeah, obviously they're intriguing. It that could be a good target for the Islanders. It would be interesting if to see if he would fit into the system. I it, I think the thing is the Islanders are rolling. You, to to kind of bring somebody in and have them learn the system. I don't know. I don't know how that works in the NHL or do any it. of the high levels. Somebody somebody's going to do it, but maybe. That's what you know. We've said Ehlers for a long time. I think he's a little bit more of a well-rounded player that could um, shift my his preferred. game a little bit. Um, you got you have a guy like Hoffman that might just be able to kind of fit into that system. He's more of a goal scorer than anything else. Uh, maybe Ehlers is a better option than Hoffman ultimately. Um, and we've said this multiple times, and I, I frankly do not know what type of player is a first-line player for the Islanders because you look at a guy like. Right. You know, like Eberly or Lee, or they're not real fancy. I mean, Eberly's you know can be shifty. He's, his, he needs to work on his finish. Um, I only want to see him taking shots in between now and January within four feet of the net. Um, I, I I don't know what that looks like. Right. To be honest, like it's not a Taylor Hall. I don't want to see them sniffing around that for a second. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's the right guy. He's just not been good the last two. Now, granted, he was hurt couple of years ago and then this year he laid an egg he just was not good um other than the mvp season which is nothing to sneeze at obviously i don't know i, I just don't he just doesn't do it for me that's so not a, so- and he's old it, i'd rather them go i don't know how old either either is this. um 24 but, yep some mid-20s I, i'll take a shot on that that's fine yeah i'm not taking a shot on hall for two years right so now here's the thing you know there's so many situations that could happen. You know, the Islanders could target guys like maybe they could target guys like like Patrick Laine, 22, 23 years old. Uh, they could target a guy like Nikolai Ehlers. They could maybe opt for a UFA, which I'm not sure how that happens. Um, you know, because it's it, it's hard to pay somebody without moving a contract. So I, I think trade is the way to go this off season. Uh, a lot of people say Mike Hoffman. It, it makes sense, and, and I get it. Um, you know, everybody is, 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 is vying for a sniper and, and I can't imagine Lou Lamorello was very happy. He lost out on Panarin last year. And I have to think that he wants to address it again this off season. That being said, a whole season went by and there have been definitely some noticeable holes in the team. Still the power play is terrible. Is it a sniper? That is definitely what needs to be acquired or, and I know this might sound crazy, do they need a new power play quarterback because they don't really have that great of a power play quarterback? I've seen Tory Krug's name floating around out there. How would you feel about a bona fide quarter, quarterback on the power play in Tory Krug? I mean, I, th- I think it sounds great. Um, Hulak and Taves haven't done a great job. I think this is a coaching thing. Based on this team... 
and the makeup over the last two years and the result of really good coaching on a team game overall. I think finding a way to actually fine-tune the power play from a coaching perspective is the answer. Now, does it help if you bring in a Tory Krug? Yeah, sorry, Taves. See you later. Right. Um, you know, Krug and Pulak on the on the power play in that first unit um, sounds pretty good. Um, a sniper up front? Yep, finisher sounds great. Um, if it's not Krug and it's somebody that the that Taves or Pulak or whoever can get the, the puck to them, sure. But they still need to get the puck to them. Right. And it's not it's not a matter of um, they can be the best puck moving defenseman in the league. If the system's bad and they can't even get in the zone, it doesn't matter because they're going to be hanging out on the red line waiting for Barzell to, to kind of fire up the engines and he might not get in the zone. So that doesn't sound worth it to me. Sounds like it's more of a coaching thing based on the team and their performance with good coaching and how they've turned a roster over two years that has not changed into a better team. I'd err on the side of just figure out the coach situation. Not yeah. that anything needs to change there as far as the personnel, but I think they just need to come up with some strategies. They need to do their homework on that. And if they're clearly capable of doing it. I, I don't think that's a problem. But to me, it's I don't know that that's a personnel issue. Yeah, could be. Um, you know, but in order for any of this to happen, in order for any of Lou Lamorello to be able to um, slot a sniper into the lineup, at, you know, acquiring one, be able to sign uh, a big name free agent. He needs to know that some of the young guys coming up through the pipeline can work into the lineup under their rookie contracts. Rookie contracts are are very important for a successful team uh, in order to take that next step. Only because they need to be able to pay those guys who you know they need to bring in. You know, guys like, you know, and for just for argument's sake, a guy like Taylor Hall is going to make a difference on a team, but he's going to come at a cost. That means, you know, someone on your your third line uh, is going to have to be possibly on a rookie contract. And guys like Oliver Wallstrom need to take the step forward next year. Yeah, I don't so know. I, I don't I think know Bellows or Wallstrom be back. What he might, you know, if that's what it takes to get a, to get a guy, if you're going to trade. That's what I think. Um, instead of sign somebody, because you can look at the rosters and um, and I'm sure Lou, you know, on his boards or whatever, probably his chalkboard, a little too old for computer or something. But you know, wherever he has his list, um, it, it's a lot easier to say like, all right, I know this guy makes this much money over the next two or three years. How do I factor that in, and and how do I make it work? Um, I think Dobson would have to step up too. He has a, you know, he's, he's still under a million dollars on his ELC. Um, and then has and has another two years left. So that's why I say, you know, you're going to bring green back too, and then say, well, we need guys on cheap contracts that, you know, well, that that's $2 million more dollars on your, on your back end. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you took away eight and a half, but all right, so you're down to six and a half. Um, so yeah, I think up front, I say they need in a perfect situation. The Islanders need somebody on their, uh, they just the, the perennial need for somebody, a, a top winger. And they need a they need someone like Walsham to step up on their third line. Right, exactly. Uh, and then That's what to, I think to play to with to play with uh like I said, Bailey and Pajot and a player on their entry level contract. Doesn't sound like a terrible third line to me. Um those two veteran guys getting the puck to some young guy who's hungry, I think works. I think it's cheaper yeah. than trying to find also somebody else even for a million or two dollars, um, it's just a million or two dollars more that you have to, to worry about. Um, they may save a couple bucks with Lad being in um, in Bridgeport or long term in reserve or whatever the whatever the deal is. I, I almost you know I think it's funny I said on the podcast and you joked with somebody. Oh, John thinks Lad should get in the lineup, and both of you went ah, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. and it turned out the next game that he was in the lineup. So he was that was in the funny. lineup. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't like that I willed it into existence only because it showed that he was healthy. Right. Um, which, right, you know, you don't wish injury on anybody, me. but you can't make up a knee injury and say, uh, yeah. Hey, you're 34, right? Like you don't feel so good. Maybe you should go home. You know, right. Some people, I don't, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money on the table that he's leaving $17 million or whatever on the table. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a modified no trade. Um, 
I don't know that he goes anywhere. I don't I don't know what you do with a guy like Komarov. Um, you know, I guess as a 13th defense, uh, 13th forward, not a big deal. You probably right. keep him around. You know, right. if Johnson's going to take over Martin's spot, yeah, all right, keep him around. That's that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but you you kind of need to be prepared to do that and lad one way or another that five and a half million. Jesus yeah. Christ, it's a killer. And some people have said to me, you know, oh maybe lad will go to long term injured reserve, like you just said. And I said, well, he's got to be injured. You know, to go <laughs> to go to long term injured reserve, you have to be injured. So. It remains or, to be seen. I don't, I don't know what retirement looks like. Um, cap well, capture too. and things like that. Like I don't, I don't know what actually saves them money. I'm, I'm not. Um, although I kind of want to play around with it. I'm not very proficient in cap friendly and being able to do the. You know what happens if this situation. Yeah, try uh, it out. But maybe for for next episode, I'll play around with it and things like that. But yeah, I mean, there's some obvious things people are gonna you know complain about it. Uh, different different contracts but the guys that are getting paid at you know aside from lad um deserve to be were paid. pretty he deserved to get paid they were instrumental in, yeah. in all this and um you know forget a guy forget about a guy like dal cole too um maybe you don't need Komarov because yeah you have dal cole for next year yeah um and then he's an rfa right um so and i don't know what that looks like right moving forward so um yeah, you don't really want to, you know, between the two of them, you know, Komarov being the majority of that, you don't really want three, four million dollars sitting in the press press box every, every night. Right. That's uh, on, on and, you know, I don't know if you can you send Komarov down to the A. Would he even do it? Um, I don't know. He's still really serviceable. I know he's a modified no trade, but can you trade him? I mean, teams need this kind of sandpaper. uh type of player and he's not bad if you're but, trying to if you're trying to offload salary it might have to come attached with a consolation prize and this is where i say take the picks take the prospects a guy like Bodie wild sam boldick who they're not top prospects but they're they're good prospects that might be something that intrigues a team so i i struggle with it with a couple of things i think the farm system isn't great there's a couple of gems, right. but it's not a really good system. And to trade the picks away, um, like teams like Pittsburgh, it's going to catch up to them eventually. After the Crosby yeah. era ends, it's going to be really tough. I mean, they're, I think you go for it every single year. You have Crosby on your team and Malkin and, and all those guys in Latang. But after a while, it's, it's going to catch up and it's not going to be very pretty. And I don't think you necessarily want to be in that that position and and if you're going to be making deals with seattle to pick a guy you want to have some picks to do it you don't want to just have it for again you're going to wind up trading or signing for a guy or on offloading a guy getting rid of the pick getting rid of the guy and then you're going to lose somebody else so and then it's that one less player that you have to to play around with uh with seattle i don't know it's yeah that that expansion draft and a low cap create a very very interesting situation. That I, I if anyone thinks they can predict how it's going to play out, um, pick my lottery numbers. Yes, you're a genius. Well, someone we know who's not going to be back back next season, most likely, not definite, but ninety. I would say ninety percent. I would say maybe ninety five percent chance is Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice's agent came out today and said he expects his. Uh, his agent to, I mean, his player to go to uh, the UFA board, and it's most likely going to happen. the The net front presence will look like Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin moving forward. Um, Varlamov, I'm sorry, Sorokin did state that he has uh, no problem with AHL time if it's necessary, but I just can't see that happening because of the one year deal. Um, so. Moving forward, it is Ilya Sorokin's net with Semyon Varlamov um, in a 1A, 1B kind of situation. Um, and that that's that for Thomas Grice. And, and thank you. Honestly, thank you. Because you were with us through thick and thin. And you never, ever said peep. You only ever went out there and performed. So thank you. Yeah, that's, that's really what I was going to say. He... He was a warrior for this team. He when called upon, he went out there and did his thing. And uh, someone's getting a great goalie, 
if they can play defense in front of him, hell, even if they don't, he still played really well. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's a veteran guy. He seems like he has a lot of life left in him. Um, in a in a in a league where you're not expecting goalies to play 60, 70 games anymore, uh, he can definitely come in and and play 30 or 40 for you. And that's a sweet spot. 40, 38, 43 games, kind of right in there, um, is where he likes to play. His most successful seasons have been just around that. And um, yeah, it'll be disappointing to see him walk for sure. I'm really happy about Sorokin. I, my fingers are crossed that he comes in and, and performs. Um, you know, to think about an Islander run eventually, you're going to need a guy that plays like Vasilevsky or, you know, even well, just a little bit better than Varlamov who played out of his mind. But that's, that's, the, that's the difference in a lot of these series. It's 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 a goalie. Um, teams that make it to the final just have good goaltending. It's always a huge matchup. It's always the one of the first things that analysts talk about going into the Stanley Cup. It's uh, Vasilevsky and and Kudobin. Kudobin has really never had a bad season before. He's he's an older guy, but um, you know he came in and he's just playing lights out this year, and that's a good matchup. Uh, Last night's game, uh, Monday night's game, three two. You know, both goalies gotta make sure that that's something they can keep control of because both teams can score. So for a three two game on with two teams that can really put the puck in, then that's impressive. Um, and hopefully the Islanders just nail it with Sorokin, and it was worth the wait. Um, that Varlamov can continue to play. This this is the best playoffs he's ever had. Um, but yeah, Thomas Grice, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, if Boychuk and Grice leave, they've both been with this team through the rise. They've both put in the sweat, the blood, sweat, and tears. And it, that's, those are going to be tough losses if, if that's how it is. It's going to be a very different team without those guys. He's, Grice is very even keeled. I've never really seen him get upset. He just goes in and does what he needs to do. Well said, man. Well said. So I think that about wraps it up. For us this week uh you know lots moving forward to still come um we want to say thank you again to Oyster Bay Brewing Company for uh sponsoring this episode uh make sure to follow them on social media at Oyster Bay Brewing with no g uh and pick up a barn rocker for each game that the Islanders would have been playing but you know they're not now so you can just go out and enjoy barn rockers and have fun with your friends um as for us you can follow us on at NASA and hockey on both twitter and instagram uh, me personally, you can follow me at James Nichols NYI on Twitter. John, where can they follow you? At John Zella with no H. And guys, until next time, let's go.